Hey everybody, Greg here. Uh, almost fall here on the East Coast in America. Loving it. Sad to see summer go, but I do like the cooler days, the change of seasons. And my guest, speaking of changes and seasons, Ellen Sentier is a witchy woman. She's a woman who was raised in what she calls the old ways of Great Britain. There's a deep connection to nature and the celestial bodies and your inner wisdom. And that's pretty much what we talked about. She's also been a psychotherapist. She has worked in software coding for fighter pilots, I mean, fighting fighter jets over in the UK. She's got a long and storied life. And it's really a great conversation to help me remember to be in touch with, I'm going to say, the magic that is in all of us. So have a listen and do share if you enjoy it. I so appreciate that. This is the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast for women over 50 who have a lot of living yet to do, who want to enjoy the ride for as long as they can in good health and with a sense of humor, maybe a little wine. I'm Gregory Ann Cox, and I believe it's time to bust the myth that aging equals decline in every area of life. Nonsense. I would say something else, but I'll keep it clean for now. Aging happens, but it doesn't have to ruin your life. You just need to get a little rebellious in your approach. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Rebellious Wellness Over 50 today. I'm going to interview Ellen Sentier. Ellen is a witchy woman. The reason I love that phrase is on her website. Uh, she's also a psychotherapist and a business coach, an author of a few books. And the concept of witchy woman, aside from the song, Fleetwood Mac song, I guess it was, makes me feel like magic is possible. So Ellen, welcome. And thank you for bringing your magic to the call. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's lovely to be here. And hello, everybody. So yes, I was brought up as a witch. You were brought up as a witch, like training, witch in training? My family have practiced what we call the old ways of Britain, the old magical ways of Britain, for generations and generations, hundreds and hundreds of generations going back. I mean, the village I lived in, um, the history and the, the work that we did and the... I suppose you say goddess who was of the part of the village. She'd been taken over and was the saint of the Christian church that was that is on the hill, which is actually on her shrine, which happened a lot here, um, which is a very good idea because we were going to go there anyway, so they might as well put their stuff there as well. So that goes back 4,000 years. So not the church, obviously, but the stories and uh -huh. legends. So... There have been a lot of people, and there still are quite a lot of people, who were brought up this way, but it isn't something you normally put on your CV, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I found out about it, so I wanted to bring it up because it's fascinating. Absolutely. And it's getting a lot better. So I was brought up in the ways of magic, the ways of deep connection with nature, mm. the ways of knowing how to work with things and with people and how to make relationships with everything, even your car and your fridge, if necessary, <laughs> um, which it is quite actually. Um, <laughs> it, it's part of how I am. And then 
Um, I did some psychotherapy along with my first degree, which wasn't in psychotherapy. It was actually in dance, drama and art. Um, but there were the dance that I did had it was a Laban technique and I don't know whether I know some Americans do know about it it's very much about looking at how the body works and also looking at the shadow movement so I'm there talking to you with my left hand there but if I was watching you I'd be watching what's happening on this side on the right side and I either this will be my conscious side because that's the bit that's moving and talking to you. So what's going on in the unconscious side? And this whole dance movement worked around that. I found it fascinating. And so that started me off, but it didn't set me straight into psychotherapy. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you, you were reared in the ways of magic? Yep. And you, according to your website, you traveled all over the world and including some time in America. Yes, and, indeed. And somewhere along the way, you landed on helping people find, all, like, bring all of them out, right? Whether it's in business or in life. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that transition from traveling all over the place to settling into this way of being. Well, I was a 60s child, a total hippie, completely. <laughs> and um, so we traveled. Young people do nowadays, but imagine back we had no mobile phones mobile phones hadn't been invented when i set off you know dad sort of said well find a post office if you can and maybe you'll find a hotel somewhere in a few days that's got a phone you can use and that would be the best you could do so you were right out there on your own and in those days i think it's 1979 it changed afghanistan was beautiful it was orchards, fruit mm. orchards, and so lovely. And you could go there and work there. You could mm. go and, you know, hitch your way along, maybe with a friend or whatever, and there'd be a farm and you could you could stop in and say, Can I stay? Um, have you got work I want you want me to do? And so you'd stay for a few days or a week or two and then move on when you wanted to. And they were very happy with us coming mm. and you somehow managed you know yeah. pidgin language generally to get through to each other i think they got used to us a bit by the time i went there so they were sort of like yeah we got enough english to get by with this yeah. <laughs> and otherwise it's all you know mime and waving and you know talking yeah. and it works so it was very free and Every couple of weeks or so, you'd sort of send out a postcard and, you know, I'm still here. Uh, <laughs> and No, I haven't run out of money yet and it's okay. And then you turn up again, like in the autumn, I'd take off in May and maybe turn up in October, November, back home. How was it? You know, yeah, we got your cards, la, la, la. What it does when you're sort of... 18, 19, 20, 21, you were totally in charge of yourself. Mm. You had to be there and look after yourself. You had to make friends. You had to find your way out of something or find your way into something. Your whole, what they call nowadays, problem-solving self was really able to grow because it's, oh, right, okay, um, what do I do now then? And 
you know, maybe you got friends with you, which would be helpful because then you could bounce it around. Or maybe you were on your own. I was like, um, I've got to find my way out of here or into here. And you do. And you can imagine, can't you, the sort of, I can do this mm-hmm. feeling. I'm not sure people get it quite the same now, but I know some young people who travel do. I love that feeling. So anyway, I didn't end up doing any of the things that I thought I was going to do. I ended up joining the Ministry of Defence. Well, um, that's a, yeah, it's sort a of segue. Like, well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, side of the road kind of thing. And um, it, was, it was great fun. I worked first, I was the admin officer, civilian admin officer for the uh, Commando Training Centre of the Royal Marines, um, who are sort of like your Royal Marines. And they're great guys. They are really lovely people. And they are, you know, we call them servicemen. Well, they are interested in actually serving and caring for other people. They may not always agree with the things they're asked to go off and fight about, but they'll take it up. Okay, we'll do this so far. And... They care about people. And people think, oh, the militaries are all tough guys. They don't give a proverbial whatever. Uh Well, ours do anyway. I've known a couple of uh, women who've been in the American services, and they say there are certainly people like that there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I was doing that, and then I went to London, and I was a personnel officer, senior personnel officer, organising civilian personnel in the Ministry of Defence, the numbers and the budget and all that kind of thing. And then I went on to go and play with jet engines and the finance for jet engines, which was incredibly good fun. And I managed to hitch a ride in a fighter trainer. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I left my stomach behind and I called I up with going the to ask. when I landed. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, oh, my God. Wow. And in, in fighter trainers, um, the coaching pilot usually sits behind you. So you've got the front seat because, of course, normally you would be learning how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're there like, oh, my God, I hope this guy behind me knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I take direction well. I wasn't touching anything. I was sitting there with my hands. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not going to touch anything. I don't know what it does. And um, But it was utterly amazing. You know, you're only, only up there for sort of 10 minutes, and it felt like a lifetime. Well, no, that was fun. And the messing around with jet engines and things like this. They are very, very beautiful. I don't know if you've ever seen one. Um, Not up close and personal. Really up close. I mean, touch them, you know, touch the blades and everything. And they are just like, oh, I've got pictures and someday I'll put them up because it's like a piece of art looking into the back end of a jet engine. So that was pretty exciting. And... I ended up as a software engineer in charge of uh, a project computerizing all of the records, everything, and how they used them for defense sales. Mm 
that was amazingly good fun and actually building relational databases. Now, did is, you just, I have to interrupt you. Did you just yeah. download I can do programming <laughs> because people study for years on how to do that stuff. And I haven't, you download it. Um, I had to learn it. Okay. Um, but don't you find that when you really enjoying something, you can learn it really easily? Yeah. Yeah. And did you did you take a leap to take that job? Because I find there are times when it's like, I can do this. I don't have all the qualifications, but I'm doing it, and then I love it, and it's pretty great. well. Yeah, pretty well. And it, it happened all the time. It was like I was going to be teaching dance and working. I wasn't good enough to dance professionally, but teaching that. And then this, I, I met, I met the colonel who was in charge of the marine camp, and we got on. And he said, "I've got a job coming. Do you want it?" Bloody hell. Yeah, okay. What is it? <laughs> and yes, that went first around. and then find out what it is, right? Yeah, but that's what you mean with the jump, isn't it? Yep. It's like, yep. yeah, yeah, I know how to do that. Yeah. And then I ended up with this, which we were mm. talking about a bit earlier. That's the only bits you can see. I've got rheumatoid arthritis. And I got that in 1982. And... I couldn't work after that. I couldn't move um, for a long time. I'm on meds now, which mean I can do a lot. Okay. But my life was suddenly cut. Mm. And I was also dancing again at the time, and that was sort of like, you know. So it was a jump. And there's, the, to me, one of the biggest leaps that I took because... I'm not the sort of woman who can, you know, be happy with bingo or afternoon TV or something like that. Why doesn't that surprise me? No, I wouldn't imagine you are either. And I, friends said, oh, come to this lecture. You'll enjoy it. So I went along and this man was speaking. And, you know, when you get with somebody who's really got charisma and really is and loves what they're talking about and what they're doing, and it was, the words that he started off with were fascinating to me. And by the end of it, though, he could have been reading the telephone directory. <laughs> because I was totally like, I've got to do that. I don't know what it is. I've got to do it. And that's that leap again, you were saying. Mm -hmm. And that's um, set me off on the transpersonal psychotherapy. Hmm. And that track. But I've been using the witchy ways all the way through the MOD as well. Now, tell us, what are witchy ways that you can use in every day? Well, for yourself, do come along to tomorrow on LinkedIn at 10 o'clock. I, I do a live every week then. Oh, fun. I'm talking about some of it. Um, so, you know, I'll be still doing it, you know, when this comes out, so that'll be great. But, for instance, I had to manage teams. And I'm thinking particularly of the software team that were building it. So, you know, I got a few lads and lassies as coders who worked for me. And I was the designer and the can carrier, which is a good way of thinking of yourself as a boss. You know, as they say, the buck stops here. And, you know, you take that on. And some people do it very hierarchically. You know, I'm the boss. And 
I don't. I just don't work that way. And it's not part of our old ways. So I work with the team. Now, the team, you know, the team's work would go up and down and up and down. And sometimes it'd be great and everybody would be flowing. And sometimes it wouldn't be. Part of the old witchy ways is I... We work with the seasons, we work with the sun, we work with the day, we work with the moon. And I started to sort of watch my team. I'd done it with the other teams too. Moon cycles here, people. Now, as women, of course, we know that how much the moon affects you. Mm-hmm. Men often don't really get it, especially young men. Not, you know, that's for women kind of thing. And, of course, it's not. And so I sort of said, you know... We seem to have this period where, you know, we sort of really climax and then everything sort of goes... And then we sort of get a whole nest of new ideas, whole eggfuls of new ideas coming up. And and then we're sort of off and we're into those again. And and they sort of say, yeah, I suppose it does. I said, well, come on then. I want to I play a game. Let's, let's do a game. And so I got a like a moon chart, which I normally do circular because it's a bit more fun. But I did a you know, square one with each of us and, you know, was this the first quarter or the full moon or the third quarter or the new moon, whatever. And I was like, now I just want you to go in there and every day just a couple of words, how you feel. And whether you, the, the job's flowing or whether you're stuck, whatever it is so they did this and got the end of the month so I said come on let's have a look at it and so I just made them look at it and of course they saw patterns because we do all flow with the moon it may like to think oh no no, nothing affects me I'm I'm a proper businessman person I can do everything (laughs) and I don't the moon you think yeah right Um, so they started to find patterns so we did it for another month and they were pretty convinced by then. In fact, they were convinced. And they said, well, how can we organise this differently? How can we organise work differently so that um, these patterns don't worry us so much? So I said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, this time when we're getting all these new ideas and this sort of formulation thing happening, it usually seems to happen around when it's dark, the dark of the moon, the new moon, or just before or something like that. So I said, well, why don't we sort of try and work out new projects in that period? And I said, and then we can do all this stuff. And then when it gets into, because it's over the top of the moon, but when you're getting into the third quarter and we're going to fall apart and make mistakes and get cross with each other and throw the coffee around and whatever you do. And I said, why don't we try implementing because that might work then and try other things so I said fine let's do that thing so they did it for a month and they found it worked so my next exciting thing to do was like we're going to have to tell the boss that this is how we're going to work otherwise he's going to say you do this now and we're going to say no we can't and so I did and again there are ways because you're so connected to nature and all the energy around you, 
you can say something like, I mean, what I always use is, give me the right words at the right time, in the right place, to the right person. And I'll do that just before I go to sleep. And I go to sleep. And I wake up in the morning and I say it again. And then I clean my teeth and have breakfast and get on with it. And so I did that when I knew, and I sort of cornered the boss for, you know, Tuesday morning or whatever it was. And sort of desk put down, say it again in my head and go off to his office and go in. And I managed it. And I've done this for years, obviously, so I knew I would manage it. was very likely to. You get the right words. It's like, hey, Fred, you know, the team and I have just been doing a whole new way of working. really seems to be ticking over. We're doing much better now. And I said, oh, yeah, what's this then? So it's going to sound completely nuts to you. Um, we're actually working with the moon. Guess what? <laughs> and, um, and I was coming over like that to him. Oh, oh. And because... We'd all worked okay before, and he knew I was a sort of reasonable human being and a, a good worker. Yeah. Okay, come on, try it. What do you want me to do? I said, well, look, we're not going to be able to take on new projects then. So can you fix it with everybody and say, we can start it then? Okay. All right, then. Go on. And after we'd been doing it for months, and he'd started to talk to his other execs around and it's just I don't understand a word of this but Ellen's team are doing it and anyway who cares it works <laughs> yeah. and this was just using old practices using the seasons and realising that they do affect your body and your body of course affects your mind and your feelings affect your mind so if you're feeling really peeved and ropey and ghastly and that sort of thing, you're not going to be thinking straight. So that was just sort of one way in which I did it. Uh -huh. And I encourage people now to do it. If people sort of say, well, I'm having trouble leading my team. Well, you open for this. You open for something really wacko and weird and off the wall. And very often they'll say yes. And at first it's like, Moon? What? You know, but I'm but I'm a bloke, I'm not a woman. And you say, like, don't matter. You're 70% water, mate. It's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love what you said about before you go to sleep, give me the right person at the right time and right words. There, so it's an intentional way of operating, right? Getting an answer, letting your inner wisdom speak. The other yeah. day, I have another business and I had billed a client, painstakingly went through every bit of it and made sure that it was correct. Off I went. The next day I woke up and I hadn't heard from her, which is not unusual, but I was like, something's not right. And when I can't think my way out of something, obviously, I remember not to do that. I decided to lay down. I didn't really want to nap. I just wanted to detach. So I got my cat. You and I are cat people. I got my little cat that always loves to snuggle. And I just lay there and I closed my eyes. And all of a sudden I got up and I knew exactly what I had done. I had overbilled her. But it was just that feeling of letting, it's not, I can't figure this out. My brain needs to go to sleep for a little while or detach and let my intuition, my guides help me out. Yeah. So maybe I'm practicing witchy ways and I didn't even know it. I think you are, but I don't think it's, I mean, I was fortunate in that I was born into it, but I teach people who weren't and hadn't really thought of it before they met me. I think it's innate in everyone. 
we don't have to just use i mean we've got you know our our instincts our guts which tell us things we've got our feelings which are really brilliant we've got our mind which is pretty good usually (laughs) and we've got our intuition but we're all encouraged just to use the one out of these four functions and surely that's wasteful surely we ought to be using all of them oh and you did yeah and it's I mean, that's just one instance, but since I've started intentionally operating like this, I find that I get guidance whenever I need it. Yes. It's there. You're absolutely spot on there. Yeah, you will. And I mean, we also call it, um, you've got this problem, so you put it in the cauldron and you you do something else. You cuddle the cat, you garden, you do some gardening, pick some roses or whatever, have a nap or sit by the pond. And you've turned your brain off as you said, your mind is not worrying at it. Mm-hmm. So the other bits of you, your instinct and your intuition particularly, can really get going. So say, that's what you want. And you just go, and it's beautiful. You find when you lose something, that's also a good technique is to stop saying it's lost. Stop saying it's lost definitely and stop looking for it. Yeah. And I sort of, I'll sort of say, whichever of you damned fairies out there has nicked it, <laughs> I want it back. And then go and do something else. Yeah. And funnily enough, I mean, that's happened to me a lot. Um, I left my wallet somewhere in the house and came back. It's not there. there. Right. Whoever's got it, back went off and did something else and it was back but so I put it on the table here but it was on the on the bookcase there and mm. um, so he's like uh uh right thanks very much <laughs> can we stop this lark um and I, I've lost several things and I borrowed a girlfriend's book and I wanted to give it back to her and it was gone mm-hmm. so it's like you know Kim, did you take your book back? No, but I wouldn't mind having it back. And then, yeah, hmm, it's like this. And I want the book back. And then you sort of find it on the cabinet beside the sink in the bathroom. <laughs> where, you, where you just would not have put it. <laughs> and, yeah, so this sort of teleportation of something, it does happen. And a lot of people have it. And it's, well, I must have done that, they tell themselves. Mm-hmm. But inside, you know you didn't. Mm-hmm. It's maddening, especially when there's another person who's witnessing this whole, I didn't leave it there, yes, you did, no, I didn't. They won't believe, like they're confounding what your brain is already trying to tell you can't possibly be true. Yeah. And so I basically just say, like, doesn't matter. It's here now. The thing is here now. That's, that's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some people who, who do understand and have been there and done oh, that. Yeah. But um, there are people who at least don't want to admit they have, if they have, and or don't haven't done it. And, yeah, you just sort of like, it's here, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's okay, you know, we've got it. And I've got the idea now, I know what I'm doing. Yep. It's fine, yeah. Now, you have a podcast, speaking of podcasts, called The Badass Wisdom and Power Full Women Podcast. Tell us about that. 
Well, a lot of what I've been talking about, a lot of people, when they first start, they'll sort of, you know, and you get that sort of a side face. And they think, mm, that's a bit weird. But I'm talking about it. Uh, it's taken a while before I will talk this loudly about it, you know, this much about it in real open. And I have to really pull on myself and say, no, this is who you are, Alan, this is it. And then be that person. I mean, it's the thing we're all told, you know, be, be authentic, but it's very true. And my authentic is not about necessarily following rules. And I know that you're not a good rule follower either, which is brilliant. And to be honest, I think most people will say, I'll follow that rule because it makes sense to me. Um, but that rule's a load of rubbish. And I'll follow it if I think, you know, there's a policeman right behind me who's going to grab me. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, I'm not really sure about that. And it's, we need to bring out that person who questions. Mm. And the person who questions in a lot of modern society is, to some extent, badass. Mm -hmm. But we need it. Yeah. And we all need it. And so what I'm tr trying to bring out with talking to these powerful women that I'm meeting, like I'm meeting one today, um, is let's help people to bring out this badass and like on your podcast, a lot of women feel like over the hill and finished and done and sexual because they've achieved 50 years. Um, and again, in the old ways, your elders were the ones who had the experience who could tell you the stories and pass things down and say, yeah, well, you know, that happened to me about 20 years ago. And I did so and so and so and so. Do you want to try and they will tell you, the old ones, the elders, the grandmothers, will tell you. And part of what I love to do is to say, you know, you're never over the hill unless you say you are and you want of to course. believe it. Mm -hmm. You've always got yourself. You've always got loads of wisdom. And, you know, you're, so you're 50. So you've got 50 years of life experience and you're talking to a 20-year-old who's got 30 less than you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I want to get that back so that people, younger people can think, she's probably been there. She's probably done this. Maybe she's got an idea which will expand how I think about it mm -hmm. and change it. So the podcasts are about that. And the powerful women, are, I love meeting women who are really making a difference in their own way. And, you know, they may not be all over sort of Vogue magazine or something, but they're really making a difference. They're really helping other people, other women, nature, food, whatever your thing is, you're really helping it. And I've talked to the most amazing women on it. Yeah. Yeah, if my mother was alive, she would have been a good guest for your podcast. I didn't realize the gift she gave me when I was growing up. She said, question everything. Yes. Now, in Catholic school with nuns, question everything was not a good stance. However, I, I lived by that. 
she must have known something in me was going to be that way anyway. So she was kind of giving me permission, but she was super smart. And an entrepreneur went out on her own, left corporate long before uh, it was a thing to do. Mm-hmm. Single with three kids. Uh, and so it's almost like it's in my genes, my energy since I was a young person. And I, I love that part, passing that down to younger women too. To question and to explore and to listen to other voices that may not be right in your little ecosphere, your environment, yeah. right? Yeah, I like that ecosphere. Yeah, borrow that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need variety of voices and variety of experience. I think in order to for those that want to become a badass in their lives, not everybody does. They're kind of like, I'm not that type of person. Okay, that's great. But for the people that have that longing, like I know there's something more. Yes, exactly. I think it takes more. It takes outside of their own people, their usual people, to help them dig out what is there for them. I quite agree. And there are people who are very happy just being in the nine to five, in the little, you know, their, their ecosphere, the ecosphere of themselves, of the, how they want to be. And that's fine. And one of the things one of my other psychology teachers said when we were being, when we were, you know, doing our degrees and that, was never wake the sleeper. Mm. And I think, well, I know this is what she was meaning. If somebody doesn't want what you've got, don't try and push it on them. Don't try and tell them they will feel better if they do this thing. Leave them alone until they're ready. If they ever become ready, that's fine. If they don't, that's fine too. And... I, I think that's so important. But I so agree. I mean, you, you've got to hear other people's voices. Mm. You've got to hear so two people looking at the same sunset. Mm. They will each see it differently. Yeah. And if you blend those two, then you get a hell of a lot more than... Um, well, my, one of my dad's phrases was, you know, one plus one can be two or it can be 11. I love that. I do, yeah. And... I like to go for the 11s, please. <laughs> so retreats, do you still do retreats? I do, but um, not very much. I used to do them mostly through uh, the group coaching things that I did, and then the group would come for a retreat. And that's lovely, and I will still do that. And what I've found now, I mean, I've started working with a couple of other groups of, in this case, women, and they sort of say, would you do one for a group of us? So it's bespoke. Mm-hmm. And so I say, well, what do you want to do? You know, what, what's your aim of coming? And then work something around that. Now, that is fun. Oh. But ordinary retreats, it's very hard work. I have done a few. You are absolutely right. I can, You know what I mean. And... You've got a group of people who don't know each other, mm-hmm. and that can be very difficult, especially if you get somebody who just does not fit into the group. That happens 50% of the time. So, so it's sort of like, no, I think I want to just do the bespoke versions of that. But they're great fun. Well, there's something about people coming to you and saying, please do a retreat for us, rather than saying, I'm having a retreat and trying to fill it with yeah. everybody's crazy schedules and travel these days. And um, so I would imagine that that would be more fun. And especially you get to design what the group 
specifically want. You know, we create a retreat thinking, well, I know what my people want, and then maybe we'll survey them, but it's different than what you mentioned. Yeah, and I find it's a lot better and a lot easier, um, much they know what they want they're coming i know what they want um but we're not just going to do that we're going to do this with it mm-hmm. which i do you know it's great i've got a friend down the road who she rescues horses and she's oh. in the old ways as, as well as i am she's a very good animal and horse whisperer um which i do too but she has these horses, and so sometimes, or quite often, I get asked, you know, can we actually go and see the horses? Mm-hmm. So Kim and I get together, and we design an afternoon for them working with the horses. And Because that's something you don't normally get on a retreat. Right. And, and I've heard it's really therapeutic for people that need emotional healing in some way, and for horses who also may have had a traumatic experience to have loving people around them. And they they actually, they're very, very wise. I mean, I had a group down there about a month ago, and they, the horse, they will just stand there, and they will come to you if you, if they feel like it. Mm-hmm. And you don't actually go in the same field with them, because that could be dangerous, people exactly. might not, you know. Yeah. So, but there's an easy fence for you to talk over. And just go and stand there and wait. And we say, send love to the horse. And everybody knows how to do that, even if they don't think they do. And the horse also, oh, oh, right then. And they sort of come over. And they all get this thing. When the horse actually looks at them, you are seen in a way that people don't often see you Mm. because the horse just sees you. And they'll just burst into tears because the horse is looking at them, seeing oh. them, oh. and the experience is is stunning. It's yeah, beautiful. I can imagine. Mm. You still have one on one coaching clients? Yes, I do. Yeah. And what do um, you coach people on? They are wanting something more. The people who want to work with me can work with me and I can work with them. It's like you said earlier, they know there's something more. They don't know what it is. They feel stuck. They don't know what's wrong. They may feel frustrated in a relationship, in business, with their kids, where they live. Maybe all of those things. Mm. But they know there's something wrong, but I can't find it. And I don't know where it is. And so i am be working on, okay, we'll start with what it, how it's presenting to you now. Oh. Now let's move. Where did it come from? What do you feel when you do this? How do you go forward? You know, do you see a way forward? And they, over, say, six weeks, they will. Oh. It just happens every time. Sometimes they don't make it because it requires them to do things and change in ways that they suddenly find that, actually, I don't know whether I can. <laughs> but they, know, they now know what to do. So yeah. not everybody goes away doing the thing because some people just, I can't commit to change at that, that rate. Uh-huh. Um, 
that's fine. Your choice. Fair. Coaching is a magical. Speaking of magic, I think that the practice of coaching is like nothing else. Yeah. And when you see somebody and they suddenly get it, whatever mm-hmm. it is, I mean, I, I I just well up. Yeah. You just wow. And, and quite often I'll say something like, "It's just such a privilege to witness this happening to you." Yes, I always feel that way. It's an honor to go on the journey with them for as long as Absolutely. that is—six weeks, six months. Absolutely. It's just to to hold somebody's life really as they unravel something yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's really a privilege yeah I, I i feel it's an unraveling too i mean it always is i mean it is for me mm. when i do the work myself but watching other people it's 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 like you've been given a a load of wool that the kitten's been playing with <laughs> <laughs> and it's like are there any wins in there <laughs> where do i even start <laughs> exactly Sometimes you can find the end. I used to knit and I would be amazed. I don't know whether the cat got it or I left it in a mess, but where is the beginning or the end? Yeah. The end is on the needles. I can see this one side, but where is the thing that I start to unravel? It's kind of funny. But isn't that like coaching? Because yeah. the end is here on the needle and you have to follow that thread back through mm. all the knots and tangles that it's got to, yeah. to find the, the other end, uh, you know, eventually. Yeah. And I feel that that is so much like the journey that people make, whatever their issue was. True. Well, what would you like to leave us with? You've covered a lot of great subjects and topics and stories, and I want to give the listeners something of your wisdom to leave them with. Well, I'd like to actually share your wisdom back, because it's certainly something that I do, and that is... And again, in my mum, one of my mum's phrase, you'd have a problem. And she said, wait, and I'm going to talk Devon now. So you're going to have a bit of difficulty maybe understanding me. We stop worrying that thing like a bloody terrier with a bone you are. <laughs> and your thing, she said, you know, I have problems. So I just went and got the cat to cuddle me, lay down, didn't think about it, got the idea. We need to learn to stop people. Mm. And we need to let something other than our mind get on with the problem because often it can do it better. And the other thing I'd like to leave people with is I love chatting to people. So um, get on my website. If you want to talk to me, book a call. That's a great idea. And what is your website, please? www.ellensentier.com very simple. S-E-N-T-I-E-R for people that are not in front of the and screen. Ellen just has one L. As did my friend Ellen from Wales. Only had one L. That's right. Well, Ellen, thank you very much for your time, your wisdom, your stories. It's all been really great, entertaining and uh, inspiring. Thank you very much. It's been lovely to be here. Thanks. People, I'll be back next week with another fabulous guest. You be well till then. Hey, peeps, before you run, in case you're not 100% sure you're doing everything you can to age as well as you can, which means you'll feel better longer, you might want to check out my Age Better Lifestyle Assessment. It will give us a clear picture of where you are now and what small changes you might want or need to make to improve how you feel, how you look, and how you age. 
Check it out at rebelliouswellnessover50.com in the Work with Greg section. Thanks.